You're listening to the Surf Simply podcast, bringing you news and opinion about surf culture, characters, coaching and competition from the team at the Surf Simply Coaching Resort. Find us on facebook.com slash surfing or at surfsimply.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the highly anticipated second episode of the Surf Simply podcast. Uh, For those of you who were looking for the Surf Simply tutorials, they have now moved to YouTube. If you type Surf Simply tutorials into the search box, you should find them there. This is going to be a little bit of of banter, a little bit of commentary on surf industry news. With me tonight, I've got Rue Hill. Hello, hello. And I've got Asher King. Good evening, everybody. And my name is Harry Knight. Um, what have you been up to, boys? How's, uh, how's your week been? Well, I've had a pretty funny week, actually. You know those days when you, you wake up in the morning and uh, you think that you're not married and that yeah. you don't have a child? That's a pretty standard sort of day. <laughs> then, <laughs> then I like where this is going, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then your lawyer phones you up and they tell you that actually your divorce didn't go through and that your ex-wife's child that she's just had with another man is legally yours and you're responsible for it. I've had one of those. <laughs> A classic mistake. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been there. That sounds like an interesting week. Yeah, no, I'm not too worried about it, actually. I mean, it's just a question of signing some papers, but it was quite a bizarre (laughs) phone call, so that was pretty funny. A very very weird way to wake up. Uh, What have you been up to this week, Asher? Well, it's not been as exciting as Rue's week, but um, finally settling into Costa Rica. I've been here for three weeks now. Yeah, it's been a pretty big change, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. So, where, where are you meant to be? You, you we poached you. So yeah, where, where are you meant to? Stolen. Where are you meant to be at this point in time? Well, uh, pre-surf simply, I was going to be participating in an MBA program next year through the University of North Florida. That would have had me. Going to Cologne, Germany for a semester, Warsaw, Poland, then Dalian, China. And mm-hmm. Costa Rica sounds a little more appealing at this point than, than China. <laughs> Although, aren't they having the Longboard World Championships in China? That was last week, I think. That's, that's very South China, though. And the waves, they're, they're okay, but it's not really a surfing destination. How do you feel, in all honesty, modesty aside, how do you feel you would have fared in the in that contest, I think I think the surfing is very unimpressive. Wow. Okay, that's a big call. I, I think it's, I think it's very unimpressive. Unless there's a big turnaround this year, I, I I don't know. I feel like I know six people off the top of my head that are just piddling around in Florida that could make the finals. Okay, that's a big call. Some so big if, if 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 you were to go along and surf in the surf in it next year. Do you feel that you could live up to the call that you're making right now? I think, or do you feel I you're going to suddenly start rounds. making, you're not going to start making excuses at the last minute? Like, oh, well, I mean, I said that, but I didn't know no, that no, they were no, going to no. say I, you had to I, I, not I, wear a I, leash. I think I can make a heat or two. <laughs> cool. Okay. It's been a couple of weeks since we last did a recording, but earlier in the week, the Women's World Tour wrapped itself up in uh, Hawaii. So, uh, Asha, you were keeping. Uh, tight note of that so do you want to do you want to fill us in on it i was i was so back this is the first year i've really followed the women's world tour and i think it's in part because of how hard zosi zosi is that what yeah uh, either way the world tour is uh the women's world tour has been pushed a lot harder this year and the level of surfing i think is significantly higher than in years previous uh coming into hawaii a tour stop that they hadn't had the last two or three years i think yeah it's been a couple at Honolulu Bay, there were three women with a pretty good shot at the world title. You had Sally Fitzgibbons, Tyler Wright, and Stephanie Gilmore. 
And most of the world title scenarios, interesting enough, would have involved a surf off, which I think would have been really cool. Yeah, it's it's been amazing this year because it's it's something that's written in right in the back of the ASP rulebook that if you end up with a tie at the end of the year that, that they go out and have, have a best of three heats surf off. And this year, the men's and the women's tour have both, I mean, the men's still has the possibility to end up with a surf off. It's amazing. Surf off. That was something we were talking about in the show before, actually. It was, yeah. I mean, having the whole tour instrumented so that you had to have a surf off at the end of the year, which yeah, I'm we... still a big fan of. And Asher and I, sorry to digress for a second, but Asher and I were discussing this before. And we were, think, we were thinking who we would want in a, a four-man, hour-long surf-off final uh, in a pipeline, a big pipe. And, I, and I'm thinking that I'd want to see uh, Kelly and John John and Jamie O'Brien. Okay, I know Jamie O'Brien's not supposed to win a world title, mm-hmm. but at big pipe, can you think of anyone that you'd rather see more than John John, Kelly and Jamie O'Brien? But, and who would you like to see as your fourth person in that heat? Or would you like to replace any of those people? Well, I... I if it's a surf off, I want to see it man on man. I don't want there to be four people in the water. I don't want to have priority situations. I don't want this is this is who is the best surfer, not who can paddle around and hustle on the peak better than the other. Fair enough. Personally, if I if it was going to be a four man pipe masters final, and those are the other three that we decided on, I want to see somebody young. I want to see, I don't know, in a dream scenario, I'd like to see Jack Robinson. I think he's going to kind of take over the reins the next generation as up-and-coming barrel rider grew up in western australia his box the box is in the, his backyard and i think he'd be really interesting he'd represent australia in the final i think it'd be really cool i think that says a lot about how much older than uh, asher me and you are but <laughs> asher doesn't think of john john as young but he's the current he's the current dominating force out there so there were three women with a mathematical possibility of winning but sadly, we didn't get to that surf off. That who would you have? Who would you have liked to have seen in the surf off, or how, how would it have worked? All right, I'm reading it off of what the ASP published. It said, if Sally Fitzgibbons wins and Steph Gilmore finishes in third place, they will be tied. Go to a surf off. If Fitzgibbons wins the event and Gilmore finishes fifth place, Fitzgibbons wins the world title. If Wright wins the event and Gilmore finishes fifth or below, then they are also tied, thus going to a surf off. So, so it could have basically been any of those three surfing against each other. Could have been yeah. any of the three. Well, and I'm pleased for one that Steph Gilmore won it because I agree. I just feel like when Sally Fitzgibbons takes off on a wave, I'm not thinking what is going to happen. This is potentially a very exciting wave. Absolutely. I mean, I think I've said this on the show before, but. I think that she's technically a very good surfer. There was actually a video that came out on Vimeo a few weeks ago where she was surfing a right-hand point break. I should look up the name of it. And it was the first time that I've seen her looking kind of like loose and exciting and just putting a little bit of punk into her surfing. Mm -hmm. And I'm someone who's a really big fan of objective surfing. Like I, I think that function before fashion, function before style is really important. But still, I just, when, when Stephanie Gilmore takes off on a wave, you know, she, you know she's going to look good, she's going to look graceful, and when Tyler Wright or Carissa Moore take off on a wave, you're like, well, I wonder what they're going to do, especially Tyler Wright. I don't know what you guys think. I agree. That was one of my main takeaways of the event, is I think Tyler Wright is the most progressive female surfer in the world right now. She's got some serious power in her turns. She surfs much more like a man than anyone else on the world tour. Is that a compliment? In a, in a compliment. <laughs> 
No, she she's almost has kind of the 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 Dane Reynolds thing going. Not not similar personality wise, but when he was in his heyday on the CT, mm-hmm. he really brought a level of excitement to events, and I think she does something really similar. Um, so we didn't get the surf off, but um, uh, Carissa Moore managed to to win the the event. Um, which handed Steph Gilmore the world title. Yeah. And, uh, I had two big takeaways of that. I think Carissa Moore will probably win a couple more world titles. She I think like she's definitely got it in her, doesn't she? Yeah, she, she was an incredible competitor all of that. She didn't peek out until the finals. There were a bunch of girls looking really good in the water, and she just navigated her way to the final. Really never looked like she was going to lose. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that, I mean, that contest was great. And they, actually, they released the tour schedule yesterday for next year. And uh, all the good big waves are in it. So they're, they're going back to Fiji. They're going back to awesome. Honolulu Bay. So uh, Honolulu Bay, sorry. And it's, uh, yeah, I think we should have another good good year on the women's tour with some really nice progressive surfing. So that's, that's sounding super exciting. Honestly, I would have liked to see Steph win the world title, maybe in a surf-off. I think that would have been cool. Or maybe just by progressing far in the event, she got put out in the quarterfinals, I believe, and she won the world title because Chris would be Tyler in the final. Yeah, I agree. And actually, there, there was an interesting interview with her um, after the event, and I can't remember. I think it might have been Surfer Magazine, but they did a, a, a long, quite a long interview, quite an in-depth one, and they were asking her about it, and she said that she was very torn because she really wanted to to win the event rather than to win by default, uh, like win the, the title rather than win by default. But um, at the same time, she said she was pretty terrified at the idea of a, a best of three uh, surf off against Tyler Wright in eight it's foot intense. walls. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think Steph was probably the best surfer of the year. Uh, her lowers event really stands out. I know she got a couple of perfect tens there that were insane. And there were a lot of guys in the world tour saying that if, she had those waves in the men's event, they would have been eights. Yeah, I mean, I I think Steph Gilmore maybe doesn't have as much of the power that Carissa and that Tyler do, but the fluidity of, of the way that she connects maneuvers and, and rolls through, I just, it's really good to watch. It's really enjoyable to watch. I think that she's one of those surfers, a bit like Parco, where her timing is so good that she makes her her turns look effortless when actually there's a lot mm-hmm. of power in them. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, and actually the same uh, same training ground, isn't it? It's, it's Snapper. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So is Steph Gilmore in in line for winning anything at the surfer pole, Harry? Do you like my segue? Oh, nice segue. That's nice good, segue. So yeah, I wanted to just uh, cover the surfer pole a little bit. It's uh, this weekend, I think on the Saturday night on the 6th of December, they're going to hold the 44th annual surfer pole. Um, it's a bit of a funny, it's a bit of a funny event. It's always been a public vote. The first one was actually in 1963 and it was a, the, the vote, the poll was done in Surfer Magazine and it was, it was really quite tongue in cheek. It was never intended to be any great who's who of surfing standing. But uh, Phil Edwards won it um, pretty much on the back of being the first guy to properly surf pipeline the year before. Um, and I, I think it ended up being more of a success than Surfer Magazine ever intended it to be. And the, the next year they rolled it out, they expanded it, brought the women in, run by Joyce Hoffman for about six years running after that. In the early 90s, they then brought the video parts in. You know, the, the, the surfers' videos were, were playing more and more of a part, so they brought that in. 
And um, so there, this year they're going to they're going to be giving awards out for the, the the most voted for, the ten most voted for men, the five most voted for women, best barrel, best wipeout, the heavy water award for the guys who are charging in big serious waves of consequence, best performance, um, that is best performance in a surf movie of some sort, best cinematography, best surf movie short, best full length movie, best documentary, um, breakthrough performer. And they're also going to award something called the Agent of Change, which is to a group of people who are really making a, an effort to change things in the world around surfing, not in surfing that specifically. That pretty interesting. What, who, what's that about? Who's in that? <laughs> they don't, as with the, the, the breakthrough performance, they don't uh, release who that vote is for. I think that vote is internal within the, um, within the industry as to, to who's really pushing it out. And I don't know, maybe we, can, uh, maybe we can have a little look through last year and see who won it. So is it still public? I mean, is it still a public vote thing or is it all done? I mean, it, it, I guess it would be done online now, right? Is it? Yeah, so it's all online. And actually one of the unfortunate things this year, um, there's, there's been a few little notes about it bobbing up over social media, that the website where you went to vote for all of these things was not the slickest bit of engineering the world has ever seen. It wasn't particularly easy to navigate and, and vote for certain things. Uh, the voting's now closed, so uh, you, you can't see that. Um, but we do have a, a little a little list. But yeah, the the, the vote is uh, you go on, um, pick who you know who are your top ten men this year. Who's who's done the best? Who's and it, it's kind of weird. You know, last year there was a lot of criticism. The 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 female who won was uh, Alana Blanchard, despite almost dropping off the world tour, um, not really having any major performances, but definitely getting out there. Um, <laughs> having her own TV show. And so, you know, as far as the voters go, she maybe had more exposure in the, in, for, for the outside media than uh, some of the, the girls that were winning contests. Well, I guess being a professional surfer now, making a career for yourself is about moving product. And that's how you get your money coming in. And that can be done either by winning competitions or by having a big impact in social media, or you know, most of them are trying to do both, obviously. Yeah, I think that's true 100%. But I, I, at the same time, it, this, is, this is not a vote of who is the most professional of professional surfers that moves the most product. It's, it's you and me and any other person going online to vote. I think if the vote's on quality of surfing, I don't think anyone would argue that Alana Blanchard would not be in the conversation. I, yeah, yeah, that's what did, true. What did she say in her... Post heat interview. In her post heat interview and in the last Hawaii Women's CT event, I don't think she's she sounded too interested on competing at all. She sounded like she was pretty much dropping out of competitive surfing forever, and that it wasn't really part of her big picture. But then Dane Reynolds said the same thing three years ago and came second in the surfer poll. So, but he still puts out video parts. When was the last time you got excited to surf her in a Lana Blanchard section? When was the first time? I mean, was there was there ever a time? <laughs> I mean, if you want to see if you want to see girls in bikinis, there's a lot of other specialty websites you can go to online without needing to look at Lana Blanchard. Uh, the whole thing is kind of she's the she's the most followed surfer in the world above Kelly Slater. Much far, way further ahead of Kelly Slater. Which I mean, I like to be pragmatic when it comes to a professional surfer trying to build their career, and uh, but I I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's true. Yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, the, the top 10 men and, and, and the top five women uh, as voted for by us. So I, it'll be interesting. I am hoping that we'll see a lot more of, you know, Tyler Wright, Chris Moore, 
Steph Gilmore and uh, Sally Fitzgibbons in the list this year. Uh, Kelly is currently the uh, he's he's won nineteen surfer pole uh, awards over the years, so he's doing even better than that. And then on world tours, do you know do you know the stats on his track record of how many best surfer he's won at the surfer pole award or, or favorite surfer? He pretty much always just comes first, doesn't he? So Kelly Slater won consecutively from nineteen ninety three to two thousand and one. Wow, that's just ridiculous. So 2002 and 2003, Andy Irons won it. And then from 2004 to last year, he won it consecutively every single year. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's not even worth having the it's time for a change conversation because we're all huge Kelly fans and it's a conversation that's been done to death. You know, even in the late 90s, people were having that conversation. I'm from Florida. I'm a huge Kelly Slater fan, but I would like to see some new blood in the mix. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear, who do y'all think should be in the conversation this year for best men surfer? Oh, it's going to be John John. Definitely John John. I think he has a very good chance of upsetting Kelly this year. He's a wildly popular surfer. Yeah, I think so. I'm really happy to see that Dane Reynolds is in the mix again with his film uh, Loaded, both as a movie and also as his performance in the film, because he directed it and was also in it, which I think is fantastic. I'm also really excited, I was going to mention this later actually, but that a guy I was surfing with a lot back in May, Matihi Drolle, uh, is, is in the running for best barrel for his toe-in at Chopu during the Point Break 2 filming session. He's, he's a pretty young kid, isn't he? Yeah, he's like 17 years old. It's nuts. It's, cra- it's crazy. I, I, it's crazy. I, I was surfing with him out at Chopu quite a bit during May and I just felt completely humbled by him. I mean, he's a really nice kid, really unpretentious with... Cameron saying hi to everyone, um, you know, and then was just taking off on the most mental waves. Actually, the first day of the first time I pulled up at Chopu, uh, his uh, dad was actually our boat driver, Bian, really, really nice guy. And uh, and Matei just kind of comes out into the channel and, and Bian's like waving at him. And Matei just paddles over, big smile on his face, and he's just slashed his face down from left, his nostril all the way down through his lip, his top lip, into his bottom lip. He had about eight stitches in his face. And he just got into the boat and was just like, hi, guys, you know, just another day at Chopu. And I was just like waxing up my board to paddle out first time. Like, maybe I'll just stay in the boat, you know. The boat there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to give little props to him. Hugely impressive kid. I would like to see Dane win some stuff because he does the most amusing yes, acceptance he speeches. He has great speeches. <laughs> Do you remember that one last year where he talked about, what did he call it? The, the day of reckoning at Quicksilver. <laughs> the the day of yeah, th- at thanks Quicksilver. for saving me from the cull. Yeah, and he, descri- <laughs> he was like, seriously, we're all just hiding under our desks. And, <laughs> and he had, he, I, I just never know whether he's being serious or whether he's joking when he's talking. He just has that deadpan expression that's somewhere between like Peter Griffin and Garth off Wayne's World. And he's obviously a very intelligent guy, so you just don't know when he's joking and when he's not. As you guys know, I'm a little bit of a science geek. In fact, I got very excited today because Stephen Novella, who hosts the Skeptics Guide to the Universe yeah. podcast, liked the Surf Simile page, which I put a lot of time into managing. So I was very excited about that. But no, going back to the, the whole science thing, it was really cool watching the Red Bull video down that they shot down in Mexico recently, where they, they, they took out pretty much all the prototypes for collecting data while someone's surfing. And they talked about it in the context of... Um, using it for surf coaching and well I'll, I'll come back in a second actually to what what I think about the, the context that they're framing some of the equipment in uh, one of the guys who's involved with the project 
was Chris Gallagher, who I just think is a super interesting guy. He was one of the first guys to really geek out on surf coaching back in the 80s. And, uh, and everyone kind of just like looked down their nose at him after he, he fell off the CT and he just became super interested in coaching. And, you know, a lot of people took that highbrow or were purist surfers and coaching. You can't teach surfing. It's unteachable. Mm-hmm. It's uncoachable. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and actually, you know, he just geeked out on it. He tried to figure it all out and, and really was a bit of a pioneer. And he ended up uh, joining forces with Brad Gerlach and, uh, and then CJ and Damien Hobgood had a few rough years on tour and they got in touch with him and they, they got him to come and work with them. And since then, he's done a lot of work with Josh Kerr too and the Godowskis brothers. And actually, a lot of what, a lot of surf coaching that we now see and we take for granted actually came from the work that him and, of course, Martin Dunn did as well. Yeah, yeah interesting chat. I wanted to just run through with you guys some of the stuff they're actually using. Yeah. The first thing that they had was um, they had a, a, a watch on your wrist so that you can have instant feedback for yep. what you're doing. And, and I think that that's really important because there's quite a lot of good science showing that if you can have a quicker feedback loop, you have a, a, a learning curve that's increased almost exponentially. I can imagine that with, with, uh, with surfing as well, with that one, because so much of it, you know, when you're going for the maneuver, you, you're remembering how it felt as you fell, you know, was your front rail catching or did the ball feel like it was stalling to be able to then visually compare that instantly. Because by the time you get back to the beach three or four waves later, you're not going to remember, that. oh, is that the wave where I felt my rail bogging or was that a different wave? How great to see yourself fall off when you can still feel the lactic acid in your thighs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, pack. absolutely. And actually, the one that I thought was more interesting there, because obviously there was the little uh, watch that the surfers themselves were wearing, but I saw one as well where one of their coaches was floating in the water with, it didn't look like it was quite as big as an iPad, but, but something a little bit bigger, and he was just swimming with fins next to the surfers. And then actually being able to, so there was one guy on the beach videoing, and then the coach was actually floating in the lineup and talking through like here's here's what you did here's what I want you to do on the next wave so not only was the surfer getting instant feedback but they're getting instant feedback from their coach and the coach was getting instant every single wave how do you think the film the photographer on land the videographer on land was getting the footage to the guy in the water because it's too far for bluetooth or wi-fi and I can't imagine that any kind of uh, um, you know like wife, uh, not Wi-Fi. What's it called? Like three G, like usual. Yeah, no, no, no. I can't it, imagine it was, that quick. They, they were. Uh, there's a shot in the video where they were setting up an antenna. I mean, it would be very. It would be the old school technique, and actually, you can still see it's the same technique they used to get the footage from the jet ski angle in the surf contests. If you look on the back of the jet ski, there's the guy with the camera, and there's then an aerial, quite a big, tall aerial sticking up out of the back of the jet ski. And that transmits the live feed back to the base station. And so they've just reversed that. And they've got the camera on the land that's transmitting a, a TV signal. And all it is, I mean, basically all, it, all they've got in the water is, you know, the little portable TV that your security guard sits and looks at. Just oh, so, yeah, I, now that you say it, that seems quite obvious that that technology exists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, I did think it's interesting though. Like they, they did have the guy on the beach filming and then sending it to the coach in the water as opposed to the coach in the water filming. Which brings us on to the next thing that they were using in the video, which is a drone with a camera attached to it. And then it's got a, a tracker tracking device of some sort on yep. the surfer. 
and the drone is following the surfer. Now, I think that is amazing in terms of shooting cool-looking surf video, yeah. especially yeah. at remote locations mm -hmm. on a budget. From a coaching point of view, I think you've got three variables there that you're trying to deal with. The angle of the camera on the drone, the surfer on the wave, and then what the wave's doing, which I think is certainly one, maybe two variables more than you want. With the, the variable camera angle, the I think it's called the air dog. That, that drone that they were testing. Oh, yeah. Now that one, what you do is you pre-program it before it flies as to where you want it to sit relative to the tracker. So it's got to be a point break. No, not at all. It, it can fly around because those things can do 30 or 40 miles an hour in a straight line. If you tell it you want it to hang off your right shoulder, it'll oh, hang off your uh, right shoulder. You mean you program it where it's going to be relative to your position? Relative to your position and it will then track you. But from that position, you can tell it to do laps around you, like go around me in a clockwise direction which would look really cool, but like you say, you'd get that, that difficulty with the camera angle. But if you just tell it to hover off your right shoulder, then it'll just track you from exactly the same camera angle on every single So wave. that would, in some ways, almost be better than from the beach. Well, certainly it replaces the need to, you know, if it's just me going surfing, say, I might not be able to persuade someone to stand on the beach and video. And there is that, there's that solo shot thing that you can set up on the beach and just leave recording, but um, that's always... You know. Not going to be there when you get back. Yeah, potentially not going to be there when you get back, but at least the drone's going to, uh, going to just follow you around. The only thing that worries me about that is uh, I've been looking into the drones a little bit recently, and most of them have a, a pretty short battery life. You're talking 15 minutes, you'd be doing well. If you can stretch it out to 20, that's fantastic, but that's a pretty short surf session. I didn't know it was as short as that. Uh, so the next thing that they were looking at was having two measures i guess they were like gps measures and motion sensors on the surfers wrists and uh then they were then they had a, a tracker so it was testing the it was measuring the speed of the surfer i mean i say how i say that i like science now i don't know this stuff works <laughs> really most of this isn't science it's engineering it's not new technology it's just implementing technology that exists in a new way um but uh but i thought that was really interesting i thought it was really cool being able to get any data back from the way that people are paddling. And I thought it was interesting to see that, you know, these pro surfers that they measured were starting to just like run out of puff after about 26 paddles. I mean, that's a really good measurable thing that you can start to improve on. And, yeah. and actually this brings me on to the, the point I wanted to make about a lot of this stuff. I feel that the correct way to utilize this is first of all, to gather data. So you've got a lot of baseline data and then you can use it to generate hypotheses about, well, you know, if we do this, you know, is someone going to surf better? I think the mistake that's made with a lot of surf coaching is that coaches just look at good surfers and they say, well, a good surfer does this, therefore that's what you should do to surf well. But, you know, you can look backwards in time retrospectively and we see some of the best surfers in the world having some techniques that have now been replaced, riding equipment that we now look at as being ridiculous and archaic. I think that what we want to do with this with this, with this this data is, is, is say, okay, well, you know, so-and-so is putting their hand here when they're doing a cutback. Now let's see if we can test the hypothesis that that's the best way to do a cutback by getting them to go out and put their hand somewhere else and do a cutback. You know, try and disprove our hypotheses rather than just saying, Kelly Slater does this, therefore everyone else should. Well, that was a, an interesting one. I think when John John, uh, you know, started to come of age, yeah, totally. uh, you know, it's one of the noticeable things was that he was going into a lot of his bottom turns not nearly as compressed as a lot of the other guys. You know, yeah, and, I mean, and it, it used to be said, you know, well, you're not going to get projection out of an air, you're not going to get your fins released unless you're going in, you know, fully compressed into that bottom turn. And then here's this six foot one kid going in almost, you know, almost stood tall. 
and getting higher than anyone else in the world. Yeah, and again, I mean, you look at the look at the boards that they were surfing in the '90s. This is another example. Everyone in the world is trying to surf those boards. Even the top surfers aren't surfing them now. Yeah, well, did you did you see the Red Bull video that they put out last year? Well, they put a series of videos where they were giving them equipment from from previous decades to surf. Love those videos. It was it was astounding, but it was it was fun because I think they went out and they had fun on every other board. You know, even mm-hmm. the Greg Knoll nineteen sixties gun. Like the guys, you know, Jamie O'Brien and Julian Wilson, they went out, they had fun on all the other boards. And the board that they frothed on the most to be given was Kelly Slater's mid-90s... Uh, the glass slipper. Yeah. yeah, the glass slipper with the carbon. You remember the one that had like the had six carbon lines, stringers? Yeah. yeah. The string. And they were so excited because they'd all grow. You know, those guys had grown up watching that Kelly Slater in black and white. And so oh, yeah. they went out and none of them could surf it. Yeah. They said it was by far and away the single hardest board to surf and they could not make it work. That's interesting. Well, so there you go. Proves my point. On that subject, one of the other things that they were, the two other things they were looking at was the feet pressure sensors. Mm. So they were looking at, you know, where you put your weight. Again, something that when we're coaching, we coach a lot is, is what we, we always jokingly call them the secret buttons on the surfboard. Yeah. I think it'd be super interesting to start getting some actual measurements so that when oh, God, we're yeah. coaching someone and someone's board is turning from four o'clock round to seven o'clock and then someone else is turning their board from three o'clock to nine o'clock, much bigger turn. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, person A is like, well, why isn't this working? And if you can say, look, they're exerting X many pounds per square inch more than you are on this point on the board. I think it would almost be more interesting, though, to have those pressure sensors in the board rather than in the wetsuit boot. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you're moving your foot, you really want to know where's the weight on the board rather than where's your weight on your foot, you know? Yeah, it'd be a lot of lot of technology to try and plug into the surfboard. But yeah, it'd be, I mean, it'd be a lot more interesting. I can't wait it. for all of this to come to get to a price point <laughs> where we can get it all in. <laughs> And when people come and stay for coaching, we can just plug them up with gadgets and send them out. Christmas morning. It'd be amazing. (laughs) Actually, just while we're uh, talking about that video, one of the devices that they uh, tested in that was um, the Trace, uh, which is a little uh, tracking device that they stick on the front of the surfboard. So you've actually been using that in the last few weeks. Um, What's your take on it? um, It's going to be really, really good. You said it's going to be? It's going to be really, really good. Um, right now, what, basically what they're getting is a huge amount. So inside, it's a tiny little disc. It's about the size of a Reese's cup, which will mean something to all the Americans and will mean nothing to anybody else. But it's, uh, it's a small disc. Do you know what a about... Reese's cup is, Asher? Oh, I love a Reese's cup. <laughs> there you go. It's obviously uh, meant a lot to our It's a small, uh, looks like a little black hockey puck. It's about two, three inches across. Uh, inside it is a lot of the hardware that's inside an iPhone. So there's a GPS receiver and there are several accelerometers uh, built into it. You stick that on the nose of the surfboard and then as you surf, that's pulling in loads and loads of data. That data, when you get back, you upload that to your phone, which uploads it to their server. And right now it's pulling in this huge data log for everything you're doing. And the thing that they're struggling with is is what to present and how to present it in a usable way. So uh, I've actually been having a few back and forths with the guys there um, talking about how to, you know, what what I would want as a coach, what I would uh, find useful in terms of information about the, the person who's who's been out surfing. And that they're, they're working on bringing that forward and, and, and bringing that online. Do they, are they, do they seem quite open to, to the sort of suggestions you're making? Yeah, so far they have been massively open and, uh, and it's been really good. It strikes me that the trace is, out of all of the things they use in the video, the trace is the thing that we're most likely going to be using in surf coaching within the next 12 months. I hope so, and I think it's certainly the device that's most likely to be applicable for 
the general public to take on board for themselves and use, if that makes sense. I, I, that and the air dog, you know, the, the, the drone that's going to follow you around, but a, a lot of the stuff that they were using, actually the amount, the data that you're getting back isn't especially helpful unless you have someone to really help you interpret it. Um, you know, you need a fitness coach to help you interpret the stuff about paddling. You need uh, a surfing coach to help you interpret where you're looking on the wave. Um, but with the air dog, you can go out and you can get your video all by yourself without needing a, a buddy on the beach. And with the trace, you can go out and you can see how fast you're going, how, how tight your turns are. It's not going to tell you whether your technique was good or not, but it's going to allow you to keep pushing your own performance further and further and further, again, without the need for a coach. And I, I think in that respect, it's, it's one of the most um, universally applicable technologies. Well, I look forward to the day where instead of playing online Scrabble against each other, we can have all of our trace information uploaded and then you can just have like little, <laughs> trace you know, little trace contests with your mates and just upload your top speed going through a roundhouse cutback. Yeah, I think, that, I, mean, I think that would be super fun. I think it'd be fantastic. So Harry, are you going to give us a quick contest roundup? Are we, we're going to do this as a weekly feature then? Yeah, I think we're going to try and do the podcast every couple of weeks. And so in that in that time frame, hopefully most of the time there's going to be a little uh, rotation within the contest scene. So uh, obviously we just had the women's uh, world title finish up. So we had, uh, I think the final running was uh, Steph Gilmore won and followed by Tyler Wright and Sally Fitzgibbons. We've got the men's kicks off this weekend, Pipeline. Um, that's pretty exciting. We're still in the middle of the waiting period for the sunset event, uh, which we're still waiting to uh, see what happens. There is a potential for competition tomorrow, so we'll see if that goes ahead. We've got the waiting period about to start for the Eddie I Cow. Uh, that waiting period opens up, I think, on Friday, so that'll be pretty exciting if that goes ahead. And I think we've got the World Longboarding Championships still about to go ahead in early December. And will you be glued to that, Asher? I'll, I'll, I'll watch a bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> We're sort of rubbing Asher about this. What we should point out, to be fair, is that Asher is an extremely good longboarder. So it's, it's, he's not just making a big call that he probably can't back up quite comfortably. Okay, and uh, so yeah, as, as well as the little contest roundup, uh, what we thought that we would also uh, try and do on a regular basis uh, is the forecast. Just a little, you know, nothing too specific because there's an awful lot of places where people can surf and hopefully there's a lot of places where you guys are listening in from. But just to give you a heads up as to whether there's anything coming in. So looking, looking around at the moment, uh, we're obviously coming into summer in the Southern Hemisphere. And there's not a huge amount going on down in the Southern Oceans. Um, there's a little bit of activity. There's a small swell this weekend coming in in the Southern Pacific that might push a little, a little medium period swell up into South America and into Central America. And in the following uh, week and into that weekend, there's a little low pressure going to form out in the Southern, uh, Southern Indian Ocean that might provide a little bit of swell for West Oz and Indo. So bottom line, if you could get on a plane anywhere in the world and go and get waves this week, where would you go? Okay, well, so we've got a big, a serious purple monster. It's going to form off just off southern Iceland this weekend. That's going to pump some huge, huge waves down into, uh, into Europe. Um, I would personally think if you could get a ticket to Morocco, 
that's all oh, these big right hand points. Those big right hand points are looking pretty good. The following weekend, so uh, looking around the sixteenth, we've got a good. It's a, it's a pretty good storm uh, in the North Pacific, and it's looking like around the sixteenth of December that's going to hit the North Shore of Hawaii, and it's a really good angle for pipeline, and it's inside the window. So, I would expect to see competition at pipe around the fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, and then of December. Fingers crossed. A good pipe masters is just such a joy. Looking I, for- I put all of my admin list on one side with a skill <laughs> to shut the computer. Yeah, well, I think so. So, yeah, hopefully that's 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 into the. It's later in the in the holding period. I think it's the eighth into about the twentieth is the holding period. So it'll be pushing it. But but if that swell comes through the way it's looking right now on the long the long range forecast, that could be a pretty epic setup. <laughs> Well, I think that's about all we've got time for this week. It is. You uh, you gave us a quote last week. Do you have a quote for this week? I have got a quote this week. I've got a... This, is, this isn't quite as pithy and profound as the uh, one that we had last week. So the quote this week is from Shane Dorian, following that incredible wave that he got out at Jaws a couple of weeks ago. I don't have any ambition to win a big wave world title. I don't have any ambition to win the Eddie Icao. I don't have any set plans for how long I can do it or to chase the big wave world record. I don't have any desire for any titles. I just know I want to surf big waves. Boom. Boom. Oh, Shane Dorian. Shane Dorian. In God's hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies and gents, that's all for this week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please let us know. Uh, email us at podcast at surfsimply.com. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And hopefully we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye. Bye. That was the Surf Simply podcast from the Surf Simply Coaching Resort in Costa Rica. For more about Surf Simply's video coaching courses for experienced surfers and technical coaching for entry-level surfers, go to surfsimply.com.